And welcome to another episode of the Guys with Feelings podcast, where two guys discuss the ideas, influences, epiphanies, and yes, the feelings that make them better men. My name is Jamin Yee. And I'm Gabe Rose. And today we have a special guest with feelings, Amanda Bickham. Amanda is a holistic health and mindfulness coach for men. She provides her clients with transformational tools, which help them rediscover their purpose, reignite their passion, and fully step into their power. Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's good to have you. I think you. that was the first woohoo we ever got to kick off a guest appearance. <laughs> we need more woohoos. We're, we're, we have a dearth of woohoos going on here. What is wrong with the rest of our guests? They're very unexcited <laughs> in comparison. They tell us they're excited, but they don't really show us. <laughs> I'll bring the passion. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, and, and you better bring it because I think Gabe may be a little less energetic than normal for today's recording uh gabe you you were up to something this morning i was i was i uh, i woke up at 4 a.m to uh to do my first triathlon which was really fun um <laughs> oh, so a little a little tired uh fun fact i still haven't showered because uh, i was so tired <laughs> i just like had to nap also like the dodger game last night was literally the longest game world series game in the history of the world series but went uh-huh. to 12 30 in the morning and i had to be up at four in the morning so did you um, stay up for the a, game yeah are you yeah, crazy innings, i couldn't like and when you're on inning like 14 you can't stop i mean you yeah, you're, right. you're to, doing a triathlon this morning come on <laughs> the world series i mean just, whatever you just gotta <laughs> anyways um so i was a little t- I smelly and tired and okay we had to record this podcast and then my n- next order of business as soon as we are done is showering <laughs> little gross but there we are <laughs> awesome well it's a good thing our listeners are not uh, part of a live in-studio audience recording so yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> we haven't figured out the smell technology yet for the <laughs> <pod>. awesome well <laughs> on that note <laughs> let's get right into it and get into the passion that amanda's bringing um amanda thanks so much for for being on the show we're super excited to have you because you are a coach for men and and we're men and we're, we're interested in this kind of stuff. True story. Can you tell us a little bit more about the kind of work you do? Yeah. Um, so it depends. So basically, men come to me for different reasons. Um, how I kind of got into this work is... My background was teaching yoga in San Francisco in the Bay Area and realizing that the majority of course many people know um, is primarily females. Um, and then I, my background is in nutrition and holistic health coaching. And again, I started running my online practice and lo and behold, the majority of people were females who were coming to me. And I started asking naturopathic doctors and fellow practitioners of different sorts, whether they're nutritionists or health coaches, asking them, even personal trainers oftentimes, um, what's your male to female ratio? And almost every time it was majority were female. Hmm. And so when I started to really kind of ask, like, why is there such an imbalance, right? Why is there such an imbalance between male to female? It's not just my own practice. It's other people's practices as well across the board. I started to get really curious in um, asking different people in my circles, men in my circles, my peers, and just kind of getting their input on why they think there's this big difference between um, in these health coaching, personal growth uh, practices, primarily most of them are females. 
And um, I started to get, you know, this similar answer from many of the men that I was talking to. And it was really around, um, you know, men are taught that you need to not be a pussy, you know, that you can't reach out for help, that you need to toughen up, that you need to be a big boy, that, you know, if you show your emotions or if you ask for help or if you're depressed or whatever it is, if you share that, then it makes you less of a man. And that's what kind of our society has shared uh, to to our men. And so it was in this kind of realization and conversation And, um, I've always held a lot of space. I've always been like the one girl with all the guys. And, um, really a lot of my friends have always been able to open up to me and be open and vulnerable. And it was in that moment that I kind of realized men need space too. And, um, a lot of these practices are even, even like yoga ads and stuff, they're geared towards women. Um, but in realizing that there's not a space where men, can collectively or individually feel safe in expressing their raw, authentic vulnerability. And so, um, you know, long story short, I was having a a health coaching practice and I was about 70% women, 30% men. And then when I decided to only work with men, um, my practice is now 90% men and about 10% women. And it just Mm -hmm. kind of shows that men need space too. And that's really, um, it's really how I started kind of working with men and, um, it's evolved since then. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely echo. I feel like I feel like you're definitely not wrong about like men just having. We've been culturally conditioned to not really seek help or support. Um, you know, I'm. Uh, I've been. I've been obsessed with self growth and you know being my best self and and uh, tackling all my issues head on for my entire life. But I always had this stubborn mentality of like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to do it on my own. I don't need any help. That's for other people. I don't need that. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny that someone, you know, I consider myself a pretty open guy, um, not the traditional like stoic masculine dude. But I still had like this big aversion to getting help and to working um, with other people. And that finally melted a few years ago. You know, I started working with therapists and just working with other people more. Um, and things have really accelerated since I've been doing that. And now I'm like kind of kicking myself. It's like, ah, oh, I should have started this like 10 or 15 years ago. Like, man. <laughs> yeah, there's a huge, you know, there's a huge um, story. There's a huge story, an old story around it being like, there's a lot of shame, you know, if you need help, you're less than you're weaker, you can't do it on your own, you're not man enough, all this stuff. And it's like, bullshit, like we can all use to help each other. Like, any person I know who's on their own path to personal, like improvement and development and stepping into their power, we all have coaches, or we all have, we all have help in some way, shape or form or another. Mm -hmm. And I think a big part of us really evolving as humans, and whether male or female or anything in between, is really about choosing to um, own the fact that I am stronger when I ask for help and other people have areas of expertise. And if I allow myself to be humbled enough to reach for help, then I will inevitably continue my growth in ways that I couldn't do alone. Um, this is great. I mean, I feel like you, that intro summed up like 78% of the reason we do this podcast. So this is a, this is a great conversation. I'm really excited. We're exactly having a, 78%. A bunch of Get questions. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I crunched the numbers while like Jamin was talking and it landed at 78. So we can say that with a high degree of confidence. Um, I'm curious, 
for starters, what do you think has enabled you to successfully bring men into a type of work or a type of space that traditionally we avoid? Is it just some upfront branding that like this is for men or something else? Like how have you been doing that and how has it been working? What have you learned while doing that? Mm, those are great questions. I think there's a combination of everything. So I, um, about two years, uh, about three years ago, I started hosting women's circles and it was really interesting because I was always, like I mentioned, me and all the guys. And then I went to India um, again a couple years ago. And all of a sudden, something switched. And all of a sudden, I had a lot of women around me. And we were doing ceremony. And we were hosting these new moon circles. And then I came back to America about a year ago. Yeah, a year ago. And I started hosting these women's circles. And many of the men were like, where's our circle? You know, like, what's going on here? Like, we want, can we come, you know, and I've, and I've heard this, like, throughout the last four years, I've heard men when I'm doing ceremonies, be like, dude, we want this, like, where is this for us? And, and it was funny, because three years ago, I used to tell my best friend, I'm like, you need to host a men's circle, you need to host a men's circle, like men need this too, you know, and he never got around to doing it. And at the time, I didn't feel like I could do it. Um, but then, you know, this last year, more and more men were just saying, like, they just kept coming to me and talking about how they didn't have space and they couldn't communicate and they wanted to connect with other brothers, but there really wasn't that platform to get vulnerable and raw. And I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to host men's circles. And so I just started doing it. And the first one, there was about 10 people here in Santa Cruz. And the next one, there was about 10 people. Some could come back and there were new people and it just kind of continued to evolve. And now I host online men's circles and I just started talking about it. You know, I just started doing a lot of Facebook lives and just saying, hey, listen, like this is what I'm realizing is coming through. And when I'm sitting in these circles, I feel so blessed to be able to be the fly on the wall where men are able to see one another and feel one another and drop in and talk about things that matter and let their feelings, you know, men with feelings, nice guys with feelings, <laughs> right? Let them be heard and talked about and seen and valued and it's just kind of evolved from there. I mean, the other day on Facebook, I did a Facebook Live. It just came through as a download, if you will, around, you know, attention men, you are enough. And um, I feel like men are always uh, expected to perform in so many different ways, you know, in your relationship, in bed, in your job, in your just the way you show up in the world. And I feel like this performance has created um, again, this, this shame around needing to ask for help when you're not feeling as strong as mm. you are capable of feeling. And that video alone within, uh, I think it was within 24 hours, got over 2000 views. Um, and on a Facebook live, that's like, like, that's pretty big. So I think it's just something that's like needing to be talked about and continuing to move through me. I really feel like I'm not doing anything at this point. I'm just like, okay, whatever you want, I'm following, you know? <laughs> So, so your experience was there was this pent up demand that people were saying like, hey, where is this? And you just sort of stepped in and offered it and, and it just flowed because of the pent up demand. Not that you're trying to go out and really convince men like, hey, this is something that's really valuable and it's not just for women, et cetera. No, like I think that there was, I was a little whisper that like more and more men just kept telling me like in one way or another, they kept opening up to me and I just started listening. And when I started listening, I started feeling like, wow, there's, a, there is a need for this. And what if I just come up and say, hey, I'm going to start holding space for men and more and more started coming and more and more started sharing. And I work with people who are, you know, really successful over the hill in Silicon Valley and are high level, you know, um, owners of 
tech companies to men who are, you know, at 20s, late 20s, early 30s, trying to figure out where they're, where they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to be doing in life. And it's really amazing the difference and how there's so many similar uh, challenges and, and, and ways that these men are, are really wanting support, not only by themselves with one another, other brothers, but also I think it helps having a divine feminine energy because there's this softness where other men's circles, they're, they're great as well, but there's, I mean, I had one of the elders come to my men's circles and one of the guys was late and he's like, are you going to make him do push-ups?" And I'm like, sorry, that's not this kind of circle. <laughs> you know? like, no, he's going to come when he's going to come. We're going to welcome him, you know? And so I think it's different. I think it's unique, you know, having a woman, especially in this time, you know, where there's a lot of men and women, female, masculine, rising, all that talk. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, you know, I feel like I've been hearing a lot about, uh, you know, if you hear about a men's circle, it's, it's, you know, a men's circle led by men or a women's circle led by a woman. Um, and it's kind of interesting, the idea of, you know, let's say a men's circle led by a woman. And just kind of like you mentioned, like, what are some differences that you think you've noticed in that kind of interplay or interaction? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't sit in men's circles. It's, that's the ironic thing, you know, <laughs> like I, I don't sit in cause it's, it's a really weird balance and it's a really weird line. Like I have to wear, um, a lot of different layers to my character and like how I can show up and hold space. Like I really feel that there is this huge healing that's happening in our global, global collective consciousness around the masculine and feminine within us all, no matter where you are in the gender spectrum. And this really wanting to come back together, wanting to come back to balance. And I feel as though as a woman who's just offering this loving, supportive platform for you to be heard, seen and shared amongst other brothers to tap into your own feminine, it does create this space of like, I don't have to perform right now. I can just be held kind of in this like mother energy of, of the divine feminine. And so I feel like what it offers is um, an opportunity for men to kind of soften into and just maybe even get in touch with their own feminine. Mm. And I mean, we do, we do all kinds of exercises when I host them in person. Like I have them do like these, you know, like chants and like moving energy. And I, I definitely have them like embody their masculine. We're not like super squished, just talking about our feelings the whole time. Um, but I do feel like it offers this another layer, just another kind of healing opportunity to get in touch with both the divine masculine and feminine in this space that's being held by a woman. Hmm. Um, yeah, I find it really interesting that uh, you've used the word perform a few times. And it's so interesting because that has definitely that exact word performance has been a theme of kind of what I've been going through. Lately, I feel like I've been noticing that in all of my different journeys, you know, whether that's my creative journey or even, you know, journey with sex or a journey with dance, um, I've kind of realized that they're all kind of coming up against like a similar issue of, of like being performance oriented, being goal oriented. Um, and, and I'm like where I'm needing to go is like kind of coming to a place of, uh, yeah, of like less like, trying to do something, trying to do it right, trying to um, fulfill some external goal and coming back to like this kind of, oh, like, how does this feel for me in the in the present moment? What is actually enjoyable about this experience? Like coming from that place instead of like, you know, with my creative stuff, instead of trying 
so hard to like make something that's going to impress others. Like coming back to well, what wants to come out of me? Like what is enjoyable to, to create? Like coming back to, yeah, I guess being and, and playing rather than performing and trying to, I don't know, do something for some future end goal. Um, is this kind of something, it seems like this is something you've noticed like coming up with men. It's not just me. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, this is huge. It's it's really about, I love that you said that. Um, it's really about the journey from the head to the heart, right? Like hmm. so many of us were taught how to be, how to show up in the world, what we need to do, what we need to strive for, achieve for. And we do these external goals and then we finally get there and we end up being like, what the hell? Why am I here? Why am I doing what I'm, what somebody told me that I should be doing when I'm checking into myself, I'm feeling depressed, or I'm feeling depleted, or I'm feeling disconnected, or I'm not feeling fulfilled. And that's when a lot of men start to come to me because they're like, dude, I, I did all the things I went to college, I got the degree, I'm, I'm in the nine to five. And why the fuck am I feeling not fulfilled? Like, what like is empty. going on? Yeah. Empty? Yeah. yeah. And so then then where we're, we're working is, okay, well, were you doing something based upon what somebody else told you you needed to do because that's what you that's what we've been trained for, right? Or are you truly like dropping into what makes you feel alive? And what makes you feel alive may not be what your parents made them feel alive or, you know, your brother or whoever. And it's really this journey around like, how can I get away from the what am I doing and tap into the why? Why do I do what I do? You know, one of the conversations or the questions that I dislike the most is, what do you do? And even though I love what I do, I do. It's a, it's a, the most amazing thing ever. Um, but like, what about asking someone, what do you live for? Right? What do you live for? It gives people an opportunity to check into themselves and say, wow, like, what do I live for? And from that place of feeling and emotion, like I live for love, I live for passion, I live for excitement. Then you can create the what that will support the why, which is what brings the fulfillment. Mm. Yeah. I think uh, I, I love that. I think you have there's three people on this podcast right now that strongly agree with not liking that question. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I may mention this on a previous episode, but I have, uh, I have my own little personal protest against that question, which is that every time, I think almost without exception now, someone asks me that question, I ask the clarifying question, you mean for work? Um, because I just don't like the assumption that Work like, is of your course, life. that's what we would, that's what I would, that's what doing means, you know? Right, and right. most of the time people say, yeah, for work. But sometimes people go, or like, you know, just whatever. What do you do <laughs> more broadly? And then I don't know what to say. And then I regret, you know, my little <laughs> weird protest. <laughs> I'm like, shit, I have to think of something. Um, uh, I'd love to ask you about your perspective on something. I think a lot of the the a lot of people, the way they hear and interpret this conversation is almost an anti-masculinity, right? Mm. Like the problem with men is masculinity. Mm. Women are better because they can be vulnerable, because they're more open, because they're more in touch with their feelings. And so men need to be more like women. And that's just like, that's just it. And for very understandable reasons, reasons I actually agree with, people have a bad reaction to that frame, right? And then sort of tune this whole conversation out. I'm curious how you think about that dynamic um, and how you think about what it means to sort of shift. Is this about reducing masculinity? Is it about shifting masculinity? What are the 
what are the core strengths of masculinity that you sort of mm. lean on in this work? How do you how do you sort of think about that dynamic in that conversation? Mm, that's a really great question. Well, first of all, I think, you know, saying that anyone or anything should be like something else is is a, a big uh, point in question, right? To say that masculinity is bad and that femininity is better. Like who's to say, who's the judge, who's creating that story, right? I think it's really about learning to understand what are, there's a difference between masculinity and divine masculinity, right? Or there's a difference between like the, the feminine and the divine feminine. Can we, can we pause and actually talk about that for a second? Cause I think a lot, I have a, like a sense of what that means, I think. Um, but I think maybe a lot of folks listening might not. Can you talk about what that distinction is? I would love to, this is something that I've been talking a lot about. So when you think about, um, you know, divinity, right? Divinity is this, um, your highest and best version of yourself. Divinity is God, goddess, right? It is like when you think about if you are acting or you are being or you are embodying the divine, it is that you are in alignment with your highest and best self. Therefore, you are in connection, you are in flow with everything and everyone else around you, that the ego, the I, the me is separate. Not, not necessarily that it's not there and not necessarily that the ego is bad, but rather you are in, in connection to the thing, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what you believe, but this thing that is truly rooted in something beyond the self, right? And so, to be in divine masculine or divine feminine, it's all the beautiful qualities that make the masculine and feminine different embodied to their highest degree. For example, masculine, when you think masculine, you know, qualities, they're driven, they're structure, focus, determination, um, and all of the support, right? All of those grounded characteristics, they are beautiful and they are necessary. It's the support that gives everything structure in order for which, which it can stand. And that is so necessary. So to say that like, you know, the masculine needs to, to be less so that the feminine can be more, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What I think we could all benefit from is thinking about the shadow side to the masculine energy. And there's also a shadow side, which I'm happy to talk about to the feminine energy as well. But the shadow side to the masculine energy is being too too strong that you're rigid, being too stuck, being too overpowering, being too much in this like focus. Like I'm only going to think about this thing and I'm not going to think about anything else. And it's like, but you're missing out on all the other opportunities. Like you were saying, Jamin earlier, you know, like I get so focused on the goal that I forget everything else that's happening to create the situation, which is really creating the experience, which I'm here to have, which is the experience itself. Right. So I think, you know, divine, you know, divine masculine is what are all of the qualities of the masculine energy that are actually necessary and incredibly empowering for every human, whether you're a man or woman or anywhere in between. And then what are the shadow sides when that masculine is becoming too dominant, too forceful? What do those look like? And how can I lean more into the qualities that help me stand strong and give me the structure and provide the strength without overpowering? And I think it's very similar with feminine, right? Like feminine energy is the fluidity, the creativity, the flow, the um, the softness, right? But then on the shadow side of the, the feminine is like being too docile, being a pushover, um, not, not really allowing yourself to take any form being too squishy right and in, in, in different ways that you show up whether it's in your job or your relationship or, or any other sides being too emotional right we can that's that there's not a balance there either so 
that's a little bit does that help oh yeah yeah definitely and i i think i mean i really this idea of balance strongly resonates with me um both because it just intuitively it resonates it's also as as jamin knows well this is like a theme of uh i got married two years ago it's like this is a theme of uh our relationship um me and sarah is she really embodies the divine feminine very strongly in a lot of ways and i sort of i'm on the opposite side of the spectrum um and so we really it's this our relationship so much of our relationship has been us sort of learning to borrow the best strengths from the other and like each try to like integrate what we admire in sort of the other's strengths in terms of like divine feminine or divine masculine while while understanding like we're not trying to come together to some middle point we're not saying like oh like one of us is better than the other it's just like we do like her really strong divine feminine energy my really strong divine masculine energy like we just do different things better and so just Mm. like being able to learn borrow steal integrate from each other has been um, I think this huge growth experience for each of us that's ongoing and I think mm-hmm. it will be ongoing forever. Um, and so I just, you know, when I, when I see people sort of like react, feel threatened by this conversation and say like, no, no, like masculinity is good. Like it has important qualities. Strength is important. I'm, I'm just like, yes, I totally agree with you. And, and, and I wish there was a way we could, help more of those folks understand that, that um, they're right. And there's still sort of shifts and in integration that can happen in that context. Yeah. And I think everyone to some degree can realize how we've been out of balance for, you know, quite some time mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with being out of balance. It's that out of balance that helps you understand where that sweet spot is. Right. It's like a beautiful dance. It's like, you know, if you've ever tried to dance with someone who's like super rigid and structured, it's like, okay, I don't really know how to speak to you because you're just kind of in your own space, you know? But like, if you have this, like you, you can't, somebody who's like super loose, I do a lot of contact dance and it's like someone who's super loose. I like, I can't feel you I, I can't like lean into you I can't trust because there's no structure there so it is this beautiful dance of divine feminine divine masculine how can we come together to honor each other and worship each other and understand that we are each other in just expressing in different ways and forms hmm. so yeah I, I'd be a little curious um, to get your take on you know I guess we can look at the state of the world we're in right now and I think a lot of people might agree uh, there's a lot of, you know, toxic masculinity going around, um, whether that's, you know, in politics, um, you know, having light shed on it from the Me Too movement. Um, I feel like it is very much on everyone's radar right now. And I'm curious, like, I'd love to get maybe your take on maybe some thoughts from you on why you think this is happening. Do you think this is... Um, people leaning too strongly into masculine quote unquote values? Is it an imbalance that do we need more of a balance with the, you know, the feminine per se? Um, yeah. I just love to hear some of your thoughts on that. Yeah. I think it's all based in fear. It's all, everything is rooted in fear. Everything is rooted in scarcity right now. And this has been our paradigm for quite some time. When you think about, um, you know, our parents and our parents' parents and even their parents, they have come from scarcity, right? For so long, we've been living in a lot of scarcity. Think even like World War II, World War One, Great Depression. Like our parents grew up in this like, 
holy shit, there's not a lot, there's not enough, like we need to protect, we need to to provide, you know, especially like immigrants as well, like trying to come over here and having to work really hard and having to save all their money and like really truly living in a place of scarcity. And I feel like this conditioning, I work a lot with clients and, and just the global, you know, collective consciousness on really helping individuals understand that there is an old story, an old narrative that has been playing for so long that's continuing to play today. And I really invite people to ask, does this narrative serve me? Does this old story that I've been told in any way, shape or form, is it truly serving me today? Because I believe that right now there is absolutely an incredible abundance in almost every way, shape, or form. In fact, there is so much abundance, but yet we still have this old story around scarcity, which I need to protect, I need to have, I need to, I can't, it's all about me, it's all about my, you know? And it's this this very fear-based mentality that's keeping us stuck. I mean, imagine if we could actually begin to see how much abundance there was in food and energy and time and how much more we could share with one another. And then in that sharing, you realize even more how much abundance there is. I mean, even take it about it like a garden, right? Somebody has their own garden and all of a sudden they have a massive amount of tomatoes and they're like, hey, neighbors, like I have so much abundance over here. Do you want some tomatoes? And like, there's a plethora. And so I really feel like a big part of this and a a big part of, you know, whether it's in politics or the Me Too movement, it's all rooted from scarcity. It's all rooted from an old story. And as we are starting to wake up as you know, um, and our consciousness is starting to shift and elevate and we're starting to expand, we're starting to become aware of, hey, wait a second, we're the creators of our own story. Right now in this moment, how we show up in the world, what we think, what we do, how we live is creating the reality which we perceive to be true. And if there's an old story that is no longer serving me, how can I choose right here, right now, to change the story inside my head, to wake up, to become conscious of the narrative inside my head and change it so that I can live a different reality. And yes, of course, the mind is so incredibly expansive and there's so much that happens here and it takes time in the physical world to catch up. So you might be telling yourself a different story, but yet the physical world isn't a reflection of that yet. But that's when you just have to continue to ride that wave of what am I wanting to create? What am I creating? And know that the physical takes time, but eventually it will catch up. And so I feel like that's really where the source of a lot of the pain and the resistance lies right now. Yeah, the the reflection of abundance is really interesting. I think those points are well taken. I, I, um, I feel like a little more of a pessimist on that front, in part because I think we're wired or I suspect we're wired, I'm not sure, obviously, to like view abundance through a relative lens. So just how much do I have comparison to others, not how like others in my life, others I see on TV, etc. not like compared to my great grandparents. So I, you know, aren't around. Um, and then I just wonder the extent to which we have this, this sort of, again, this fear based approach wired into our brains from 10s of 1000s of years of evolution and needing to actually like make sure the cougar didn't eat us, you know, yeah. um, and so it's just like a re- it's always an interesting question for me that I have no answers to, which is, you know, to what extent if these things really are wired in a lot of ways, you know, to what extent can we sort of culturally overcome that at scale, right? To use a, a techie word, you know, versus we have little moments and pockets of movement, but we just keep pu- getting pulled back to to what our brains are naturally pulled towards. I, I don't know. I don't have an answer, obviously, but that's uh 
that's a little bit of my like pessimistic view creeping in there. Yeah. I think it's great. You know, I think it's having having both sides of the perspective are great. And I think too, like just realizing like where your attention goes, energy flows. And so what is it asking yourself, what is it that I want to create? How is it that I want to show up? You know, and and let those questions again, going back to Jamin, you know, you were talking about, am I really goal driven? I'm really thinking about the thing that I need to accomplish. But then the moment you accomplish it, you're like, okay, what's next? And it's like, but wait, what is the reason behind how I'm showing up and how I want to feel? And can I let that guide me? And so that the entire experience, it's like Tantra, right? Like Tantra is really about like, there is no goal. It's not about the the orgasm. It's not about the ejaculation. It's about this connectivity of even the touch can be orgasmic, no matter where that touch goes on the body. Like the entire journey, the entire ride can be this beautiful um, experience if you look at it in this view of you know the abundance or the the love based mindset. If you drop the goals, right? If you if yeah. you define you know the sexual experience, you know down to oh it has to come to this climax, like that's what it's all about. Or you know if you're creating something and you're like oh the end result, if if I make something amazing and a million people like it, like then it'll be worth it. I feel like it sets you up for this sort of tunnel vision. Whereas if you, if you drop that goal and if you view the entire thing as an exploration, if you view, you know, if you, it's like, if you, if instead of reducing an entire symphony just down to the last symbol crash, it's like, Hey, there's an entire symphony going on here and I can actually enjoy all the peaks and valleys and all the different instruments of it. Um, and I, I definitely think that that's something that we're not taught in our culture. We are such a, you know, you were, you were you were kind of describing some masculine values, right? Like being goal driven, um, doing, 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 like having lots of form. And um, and as you were saying that, I was like, you know, that I feel like that actually describes our culture for for everyone participating in it these days, men, women, people who don't identify as either. But I, I feel like at least in American culture, a lot of those terms you're you know masculine terms you're using. I feel like our entire culture is maybe. Um, a little hyper masculine in that way, or maybe a little out of balance yeah. to bring back yeah. what we were talking about earlier. Like maybe we're super out of balance in some of these rigid goal driven forms. And I, and I think, um, we're feeling, we're all feeling that the, the shadow side, the detrimental effects of that in like a really strong way. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And what's interesting too. So my background is in mindfulness and yoga and um, if you're familiar with the chakras, right, it's root chakra, which is base level survival, um, sacral chakra, which is relationships, creativity, and then Manipura chakra, which is um, all about personal drive and dedication and willpower. And like all those things are great. Like who doesn't like kicking ass? Like who like, I mean, come on, Gabe, you just did like a triathlon. It feels fucking amazing. Like do these- enjoy the rare occasions where I kick ass. Like <laughs> very, very rare occasions. It is really fun. It's yeah. amazing. And it's part of the physical like ability and like the ego it's it's great like gratify satisfy the ego sometimes these things aren't bad when in balance right and i feel like we've been in this you know for a long time we were just trying to survive let's get the base level needs going you know for literally in our evolution then all of a sudden the base level was pretty you know comfortable and now all of a sudden we can multiply and we can have creativity and now we're moving into manipura which is like okay it's me it's my it's ego it's like i'm gonna get this done it's i'm how how much money can i make and how fast can i climb and how big of an impact can I make? And then after that, you move into the heart space. 
And the heart space, the lower chakras, and if you're thinking about, you know, any sort of energy work, the lower chakras are often the, the more masculine dominated, right? And then you move into the heart chakra, which is where when you think about, and we're getting a little bit into tantra and, and energy work here, but when you think about pulling in up the energy from the lower level chakras into the heart space, and you're pulling in the upper level chakras from, from the hat, from the mind, from the intuition, from the ability to communicate, all things that women naturally are pretty good at, right? Men are like good at like getting shit done and making it happen and like building a house, right? <laughs> and men, you know, as a reference. And women are really good at feeling and having this intuitive motherly instinct. So where we meet is we meet in the middle. We meet at the heart space. And that's where love is. And and that's where that's where the true emergence of masculine and feminine becomes into. And so I really feel that as we're continuing to evolve, like many of us have, you know, millions of dollars if you know or are abundantly set in our physical ability to survive and we're like, okay, what's next what we're all really seeking is connection that's one of the things in these men's circles that's been so profound is so many men saying i want true connection with brothers i want intimacy with brothers that is not sexualized like we like men touching other men in our country is like super taboo you must be gay if you're doing it and it's like there's so much pain around that and i really mm -hmm. feel that we're coming into this place of like wow, we all want connection, we all want love, and we can do this in a way that is is really helping to rebalance us and reconnect us all to what it is that we all truly want, regardless of, you know, our anatomy or where our social class or, or any other aspect of ourselves. Amanda, I'm curious what you've learned specifically doing this men's work that you didn't know and you got into it like what's you obviously have like a set of assumptions and ideas about how it would go i'm sure a lot of them have been true and then i imagine maybe some of them been, have been different like an, another way to ask that is like what's what surprised you about really diving in deeper about this men's work oh um how much um how much pain the masculine has has carried with them and how much shame the masculine has carried with them and not talked about and been too afraid or too ashamed to talk about um, and how much disconnection there is between um, their, their, them, them, their energy, their masculine energy and their heart energy. Like there's like two little voices that are going on inside the, the, the self. There's like the, the drive and the masculine and which is just natural. And then there's this other quieter, uh, part, which is the heart and how many of them are feeling really disconnected from that and disconnected from each other. A lot of insecurities, like, wow, I, I, you know, women, we, we often, women talk all the time and we talk about our feelings and our emotions. And so everyone knows what's going on with women because we talk about it, but men haven't had that space. And so their ability to drop in and talk about their insecurities, whether it be with like their own body, it's like women don't realize that like we have a lot of insecurities with our own body. We just don't talk about it. And the insecurities between, not even between like, I'm insecure about what this woman's going to think about me, but I'm insecure what this guy's going to think about me. He looks like freaking a Greek God over here. And and I look like X, Y, Z or like, there's just so much that like, I, you know, especially with the Me Too, the women's voices are really loud, but there's not a lot of like the men's voices are really quiet in their own pain and their own suffering and silence. Um, and so it's just been really like, I have, my heart is so open and so um, 
full with just really feeling what a lot of the men haven't allowed themselves to feel or communicate or express. And so I guess that's been like my biggest thing of really, you know, I'm, I'm like the masculine, they've got it all together. Like they're strong, they're whatever, you know, it's like, it's a great, it's, it's, it's what it looks like on the outside, but on the inside, like, oh, like there's just, wow, just, mm. yeah, it's hard to explain, but I can feel it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I imagine you went in expecting some level of that, but what, what I'm hearing the way, the way that went for me is you were surprised at the scale of it and the intensity of it. Yeah. And even like some of my clients, you know, have had, they've talked about their sexual assaults or their, you know, their rape, um, you know, and it's, again, not something that's really talked about, um, you know, their sexual abuse and like, oh, wow. It just, it's, yeah, it's a lot more. There's so much more there um, that I didn't really know that I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Really, Sorry, yeah. Jamie, go ahead. I oh, know. I'm really just glad that you're, you brought that up. Um, I feel like the, the, the pain that a lot of men are going through, it's almost kind of like a hidden pain, um, yes. not just from women or other people, but I think from the men themselves, you know, yes. like, um, I think over the last few years, I, especially, you know, as I've been doing more therapy and just diving in, like I've started to become more aware of all the pain and the shame and heaviness that I've been holding. But my whole life, I, it was there, but I didn't really know that, you know, it was just kind of like just stuffed down. I, I just saw it as stress or I, I just thought that, Oh, that's my normal. This is how it feels to live in the world. And sometimes it just doesn't feel good. And now that I'm actually talking about it and expressing it and diving into it, it's like, I'm like, Oh my God, there's, there's so much in there. And yeah. And it's, it's like, it's kind of a little heartbreaking for me, like for myself, right? Like looking back at my own younger self. And now I feel like I'm becoming aware of that to this gr much greater degree with like all the other men around me. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's something like, I think the Me Too movement has been incredible. And this is like an amazing evolutionary step forward for all of us. Um, mm -hmm. But one thing that I think has been missing from that conversation, which I think you just kind of reminded me of was I think a lot of people and a lot of women um, are not aware of like how much, and again, a lot of the men are not aware of how much uh, pain um, and, and like numbness and, and heaviness that the men are going through. And repression. Yeah. And it's like, I, I really think this is, I'm really excited for the next stage of this movement where I think we're going to start asking those questions. It's like, okay, men are fucking up on a huge scale right now. They're causing so many of the murders, sexual assaults, you know, um, they're, they're failing in schools. Like there's so much happening with men and I'm really excited for the next part, the next question, which is, so why is why? that happening? Yeah. And yeah. how can right. we shift that? You know? Cause, cause if you want to solve it, which we all do, right. like, I mean, the accountability piece matters, right? Yes. Like you do, like, that's what me too has been so transformative. Like there was just so many aspects in our society, just zero accountability. And now there's more than zero. Mm -hmm. And that's like, that's huge. You can't move without accountability, but it's like, but accountability in any arena where you're trying to shift, you know, social norms and how people act again, at scale, like across our entire culture, our entire country, you need accountability, but you can't get it done with accountability alone. You got to understand like the root causes. And, and I just, 
I'm so in favor of us being more curious about the root causes beyond just really like trite statements like, well, it's just the patriarchy. Like, okay, like that's fine. Like that's an okay starting point. Mm -hmm. Let's maybe go one or four, 10 levels deeper than that and really look at what's going on that's hurting people that that's then sort of causing them to hurt others or contributing to them hurting others. Yeah. And I, I think that that's a lot, like it was all of this, um, I've worked with, cause before, as I mentioned, the majority of my practice was female. Um, and I was hearing some of the, the sexual assault and, and working with women who had been, you know, in that space before. And, um, what really occurred to me was when the, the women had the most healing was taking them into this place of having them connect and think about what happened. What do you think happened to the person who had the ability to do that to you? Like, this is learned behavior. This is, and, and most of the women would end up saying like, yeah, I think that, you know, his father abused him or, you know, a lot of the, it's in the family. A lot of the abuse has been in the family. And it's like, yeah, I think my grandfather, you know, raped my whatever, whatever, you know? And it's like, I really do feel my biggest, I think I, I, what you said, Gabe, really brought me back to what kind of sparked this in me in the first place was um, really asking the question, why, right? Really asking, why is this happening? And Jamin, going back to what you said, it's like men haven't been given the space to express their feelings or emotions. Men have literally been trained like you need to toughen up. You need to be a big boy. You need to put on your big boy pants. You need to get back out there and you need to do a good job. And I really feel that it's not necessarily the repression of women that we have been, you know, in the midst of, but rather the repression of the feminine within us all as women as men, it's been this, this, this stuffing down, especially for the masculine, you know, like stuffing down of this really powerful feminine. And, um, you know, going back to what you said, Jamin, like it's a part of yourself, just like the masculine is a part of the feminine as well. And, um, if we don't give our men healthy avenues and outlets of expression of allowing these feelings, these emotions to move so that they don't stay stuck and pushed down. I mean, I work in, I work in holistic health. So a lot of um, dis-ease in the body, whether it's gastrointestinal or joint pain or back pain or migraines or stress or depression, all of that is energy that has been stuck and stagnant. And if we're not allowing this energy to move in healthy forms, whether in movement like yoga and qigong or dance or things like acupuncture or whatever, then it's going to get stuck and create a lot, um, a lot of imbalances and a lot of energy that's expressed in a way that's not maybe healthy, such as what we've been experiencing in our world today. Yeah, yeah. I I found the the to go back a little ways. I found the the Juno Diaz moment uniquely depressing in this regard, in terms of how far we have to go. I mean, when he came out and talked about being assaulted as a young boy repeatedly, and then a few people came out and like, well, and he's also been a huge misogynistic asshole, and like that was like, yeah, like being being a victim in your past doesn't excuse you from your future behavior in any way, shape, or form, but. Then when I saw people, so like, yes to accountability and, and, and transparency and honesty around that. But then when I saw people starting to suggest that, oh, he was just using his status as a victim to try to protect himself. I just like, it hurt my heart so badly, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. just, and it just, 
this this idea like we're always trying to separate the world into good guys and bad guys and victims and perpetrators and i've i've been paying attention to some really um has gotten sort of deeper and deeper into um involvement with criminal justice reform work a lot of people doing criminal justice reform work like really smart leaders make this point all the time where they're like the perpetrators of crimes are usually or very often also victims of Mm. crimes earlier at the same time like it's all happening in proximity it's not separate there's not like simple good people and bad people and um yeah i think that like maybe that conversation that nuanced conversation is too challenging to have again at sort of like a national or societal scale but um but i hope it isn't like i hope we can keep pushing that direction yeah and i think it's just so important for people to understand like i feel like the the simple idea that that you know i I feel like a lot of people especially if, if you've been a victim of someone assaulting you, of, of someone doing anything shitty to you, it's it. I think it's a natural reaction to kind of to you know see them as a perpetrator and, and almost dehumanize you know the perpetrator. Um, but but the but the truth is like I'll you know hurt people hurt people right like yeah. I think a lot of times there's this idea that oh the person who got one over me um, their life is just fine they're doing great and they just fucked me over um, and I feel like that's rarely actually the case you know if, if this person actually was happy and healthy and living a harmonious life he would not this you know they would not have done this shitty thing to you um, and the fact that they are is almost I think proof that uh, they are in in some sort of state of imbalance and acting from wounding. And I think just, you know, I I think understanding why people do the shitty things they do is Mm. so important because I think I almost feel like our culture has a wrong model for viewing that. And that affects Mm -hmm. everything, especially our criminal justice system, right? We assume, oh, if someone commits a murder or steals, then they're just a bad person. And they could have Mm -hmm. chosen not to, but they chose to do it because they're evil. And I feel like that's just such an archaic way of looking at it. And maybe more importantly, it's a way that uh, doesn't lead to any changing. If they're just an evil person, eh, there's nothing you can do. But if maybe they're being quote unquote evil because of trauma and wounding, uh, because of um, a lot of other issues, then we can actually start doing something about that. Like those are actual, um, those are things that we can actually start to make differences in. Um, and I don't know. I just feel like the more I've div- dove into my own psyche, the more I've dove into my own shit, um, the more I've realized this to be true. Not because like a, a textbook is telling me, not because of a science study, but just like going into my own stuff. I'm like, oh shit, every time I've done some some crappy stuff to people, it was all coming from my wounding. It was all coming from a hurt place. It was coming from insecurity. And I so badly want everyone to have that felt experience and, and to start realizing that that's where everyone else is coming from. And I think when we start to understand that, we can we can start to think about rather than um, blaming and punishing people, we can start thinking about like helping them, helping How them. How can heal. we support one another? Right. Healing yeah. them, bringing them in, um, nurturing them. And yeah, I think that shift from punishment to nurturance um, is needs to happen and <laughs> needs to happen soon. <laughs> and I think that that's it, right? The masculine and the feminine, like who nurtures the mother, who punishes the father. And that's how it's been for a really long time. 
but what if we could change that, right? What if we can change that and we can meet ourselves with compassion first and foremost and nurture and also have discipline. Discipline is necessary. Structure is necessary. But how can we do so in a loving and compassionate way, like you said, that supports one another and and promotes our own personal growth and self-development, not only as individuals, but as a collective consciousness? And how can we continue to, to choose to understand our whys and come back together and and offer each other's opportunity to lean into our strengths and then learn from our weaknesses and and like you said Gabe you were talking about you and your wife it's like sounds like you guys are doing that really well it's like okay well here's where the divine feminine comes in really well and here's where the divine masculine comes in really well and how can we choose to honor and worship and respect each other's traits so that we can continue to move forward as an elevated you know unity yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And that I'll just say, you know, as as a close friend of, of Gabe and his wife, um, it's been amazing for me to watch how they've, you know, what he was talking about that dynamic of how they've both influenced each other and how I feel like they've taken, yeah, they've like learned and taken like some amazing traits from each other and like this balance that's coming. Um, and with that, they they both are even more you know, powerful and um, I feel like living their purpose and just uh, like becoming even more amazing human beings. So it's really cool to see that. And um, yeah, I, I would love for that to happen for everyone. Well, it's happening. That's it. That's it. Yeah, it is happening every, every day. In ways. And it's, we create it's our own reality. Yeah. And it's funny, it comes back to the, the point you were just making, Jamie, about, you know, your sort of hurt people, hurt people perspective doesn't just come from reading about it, thinking about it, it actually comes from your own lived experience mm-hmm. and your ability to sort of reflect on and investigate your lived experience. And I think that's, that's just critical. I mean, if I didn't have, I think, lived experience, say like of like me and Sarah, right. Right. And like the, the example we were just talking about, Amanda, I think a lot of what you said, like wouldn't necessarily resonate with me or wouldn't resonate with me in the same way. And so mm-hmm. I think that, yeah, like helping folks to more, more people through things like men's circles and through therapy, through like all this healing work to, to have more experiences in this regard and, and also help all of us gain the ability to sort of investigate and reflect on those experiences is, is critical because it just gives all of us a foundation to, um, yeah, to just figure this out together. Mm, Yes, totally. And, and on that note, um, Amanda, thank you so much for the work you're doing because I think that's it's yeah, so necessary. Yeah. You, you saying men need space, and they definitely do. And um, and what you're doing is is so needed, and we need more of it. So thank you. Mm, thank you so much for 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 reflecting that back to me. I mean, it's it's a really honestly a really intimidating space. Like never in my life did I ever think like. My mom asked me what I wanted to do when I grew up, and then I was going to say, I want to host mid circles. You know, I hear like, kids say that all the time. <laughs> really? Like Damn, dude. Yeah, evolving yeah, yeah. It's evolving it's, quick. It's, it's very popular. It's outplays better now. <laughs> shit, shit, man. No. But yeah, like, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, all I can do is show show up and offer something. And it's up to the men to come forward and, and to, to take it, you know, and to, to step into it. And so for every man who's ever, 
you know, just said, like, was able to drop in enough and l- let me hold space for them, let's say in a men's circle or be open to these conversations. It really continues to give me the strength to, to continue to show up. And so thank you guys. Thanks for being inspired by this work and being open and talking about these things. Cause I feel like what you two are doing guys with feelings, like, yeah, you are holding space for one another and all the other men who, who want to feel their feelings too, you know, and, and giving them a platform to do that is really powerful. Awesome. Thank you. All doing our little part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Um, Amanda, where can listeners keep up with you on the internet? So um, I'm really active on Facebook, of course. Also, my website is Amanda Bickham, B-I-C-C-U-M.com. And then you can also follow me. I'm just getting started on Patreon. Have you guys heard of Patreon? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah. So I'm just getting started on Patreon. And I'm going to India in like three days. And I'm going to do a lot less Facebook and a lot more Patreon building community in that space as well. Awesome. Cool. And as for our show, you can find all episodes of Guys With Feelings at guyswithfeelings.co. Shoot us an email at guyswithfeelingsshow at gmail.com. Music for the podcast is by Broke for Free. And if you're feeling generous or not, leave us a review on the iTunes podcast store. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Until next time, we hope everyone out there is able to embrace the lows, celebrate the highs, and appreciate the messy journey in between. We'll see you guys next time. Later, everyone. Bye.